stop Googling and start listening for the love of wellness. With over 50 years in women's wellness, hosts Sam Leeson and Laurel Crossley, along with a weekly special guest, will explore gaps and issues within the women's wellness industry. If you're passionate about topics affecting women's health, such as sleep, grief, body image, and much more, then please stay tuned. Are you a parent struggling on how to parent your neurodiverse child or children? Are you kind of struggling and not on the same page as your spouse when you're trying to parent these neurodiverse children? Are you not sure what you're doing or which way is up because you are a parent of neurodiverse children? Well, on today's episode, Alex Leach is joining us and she's a parent coach who specializes in this arena of parenting neurodiverse children. So stay tuned to hear what she has to say about this. Today's episode is brought to you by babyready.info. Welcome, everyone. I am so excited today to introduce all of you to a friend, Alex Leach. Alex, welcome. Please tell everybody who you are and what you do. <laughs> I don't think we have enough time for that, but I will <laughs> keep it nice and short. Uh, I'm Alex Leach. I am a regulated health professional, but more importantly, I am a neurodiversity specialist. Um, my journey on this started when my kids were both diagnosed with autism and multiple other diagnoses in the neurodiverse realm. And I just started advocating. And through that process, I discovered I have ADHD. I have dyslexia. I have other diagnoses that fall in there as well. And that started me on the journey. And then just, um, just before the pandemic hit, uh, I heard the cry of a lot of parents out there and they were just like, we're struggling. My kids are struggling. And especially within the first year of the pandemic. And it was like, I was hit with this bolt of lightning, uh, saying, this is, this is what I'm meant to do. And because of all my own personal experience growing up and seeing what is happening with my children and talking with other parents and being part of other programs. Nobody was really, everyone's advocating for the kids, which is most importantly, but the parents were left hanging and the parents have such an important role in that beyond being parents. And that's where I, I dove in. So I've taken all my 23 years of being a healthcare practitioner, sports, nutrition, everything. My, I, I'm a neuroscience geek. I love neuroscience and physiology. And it was just, you know, sounds a little hokey, but it was like all the stars aligned. And because when this was all happening, I'm like, my career was, you know, sort of put aside because I'm looking at my kids. I felt lost. I felt isolated. And then it all kind of went, this is my mission. This is my passion. So I am 55 years old. I have ADHD. I have undiagnosed autism. Well, I have, yeah, not officially and dyslexia, a whole bunch of stuff. I'm a mom of two amazing, brilliant teens. Um, I'm on my second marriage. I call him my favorite husband. <laughs> and he's fantastic. And we have two English bull terriers. I'm a little obsessed with bull terriers. If anybody 
who knows me. And um, I just, I just love life. Like I really love life and parenting kids with complex challenges can get really uh, it goes sideways fast and it's so hard. It's so isolating, but that's no reason why families cannot flourish. And as parents, we do anything and everything for our kids, but we forget about ourselves. We just kind of put our heads down and, and go and get through, right? We're surviving. I'm here to say that, you know, you don't have to just survive. Everyone in your family can flourish. I um, have a lot of friends and colleagues with, um, you know, family members who are neurodiverse. And it's funny, my daughter came to me and she said, you know, our whole family has autism. And I went, what are you talking about? She goes, mom, we're all different. You know, we're not, we're not neurotypical, not a neurotypical family. And I, I absolutely wonder how many, how many neurotypical people are there really? (laughs) Well, let me tell you, when you look at the stats right now, it is one in every six to seven kids that have been officially diagnosed that have some form of uh, uh, neurodiversity diagnoses. And 65% of individuals with autism have multiple diagnoses like ADHD, dyslexia, a learning challenge, a brain-based difference like in working memory or sensory processing and And so it's much more common than one thinks. And that's why I call it the invisible disability, right? Because really, when you are in your environment or an environment that supports you and you can function, um, we all we all adapt, whether you're neurotypical or you know neurodiverse, we all adapt, we modify, we 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 figure out how we can manage and navigate life, right? It's not like we're in a wheelchair or there's like, um, there's visual, you know, they, there may exist, but with neurodiversity, it is an invisible disability. So people are like, I don't understand. Really? Yeah. So it's, uh, it's more and more, they, they suggest that the stats suggest that it will now be about one in four by 2023. Yeah. And, and it feels, and I think you touched on this, it feels like there are a growing number of resources available for families, for the children who have right. been given that diagnosis so that their families can learn from other families or, or get the extra support and care that they need. But that's not where your business focuses. Your business focuses more on the parents and helping the parents with what they need. Is that correct? Yes. And, and I mean, everyone's talking about self-care and that is a very important piece. That's a very small piece of the puzzle. When I'm working with families, it really is about, um, it's really about understanding what neurodiversity is, what is autism, what is ADHD. And you know, there's a, there's a saying, you meet one person with autism, you meet one person with autism, right? It, it's, it's so varying it, they call it a spectrum because it is a spectrum. I like to tell, I like to, the analogy I like to use is like a soundboard, 
like in a music studio where you have all the slides, right? So that's, so, and it depends on the day, the situation, the environment, those things are constantly changing all the time. So there is no carbon copy other than the, the name of the diagnosis is the same. So it's very different. So it's very frustrating for parents and even what works one day doesn't work for another. So when I'm talking about um, taking care of the parents and taking care of the family, it's supporting them, but understanding what that means, understanding that what that means for their child, understanding what that means for their family. And um, parents, they, you know, we've all been, I like to use the word (laughs) brainwash, because we've all been told that we need to have all these therapists and group and groups and, and activities for our kids to do so they can get better or get fixed. Well, our children do not need to be fixed, right? But Mm -hmm. what happens is, yes, there's skills and coping skills, but our children, no matter what age, and it happens when they, when they get older too, is they absorb so much and they absorb a lot. And when they see their parents struggling, even when, you know, a perfect example, my daughter, you know, um, she has these epic meltdowns and people think it's bad behavior. It's bad parenting. There's judgment there. And it's not, no kid wants to be dysregulated. Right. But what happens is we forget as parents that sometimes we are the trigger for our kids and, and we're coming from such a loving place, but even sometimes you come home and say, how was your day? And they're like, you know, the shoulder shrugs, they don't know. And you're like, how do you not know? You know, and then even that our kids get home and they haven't processed the day and even something like that can trigger something. And it's usually not about what is happening in that moment, but that's just the straw that breaks the camel's back. And it could be 45 seconds, 45 minutes or four and a half hours that this child is dysregulated. And then so what are the parents supposed to do? So it's understanding, you know, yes, the signs and parents know their children better than any therapist, any group, right? And we forget that. So it's really about nurturing the neurodiversity while we're parenting with resilience is what I like to call it. And it's understanding, you know, when our children are dysregulated, what can we do? And a lot of it is we don't want to be dysregulated. So it's bringing that calm, that understanding, even a couple of sentence stems here and there, we just tweak some of the, you know, the the words we use, and that makes such a difference. And then we aren't exploding or losing our temper or, you know, don't, I don't know about you, but I have not met one parent that has not been in the bathroom crying at any point in time. I I go there quite frequently, actually, right? Because you get so overwhelmed and your heart is breaking, right? Mm -hmm. Because you see your kids struggling. And so a lot of parents feel very disempowered. Their kids are disempowered. So it really is about with parents, it's helping them understand what their children are going through. But I call it taking the coach approach to parenting. So I'm helping these parents understand what's going on, what's going on for them, because they have expectations of what it was going to be like as being a parent. They have expectations of, you know, from what their experience of growing up. And it really is about one of the first big things that I work with is meeting our kids where they're at. And that sounds so simple, right? But really it's hard to do because 
we see that long haul, right? And, and we're afraid that our kids are suffering and we're afraid that they're failing or we're afraid that they're, you know, we're, we're hurting for them because they don't have friends and, and all this. And that actually puts a lot of pressure on our kids. So it's also that self-care of taking, we are creating our own sort of misery because we're in these thoughts all the time. So that is part of the self-care of parents is like, what is coming up? Why is it coming up? Let's look at that. What can what can we do as parents to keep ourselves grounded so then we can ground our kids? That's a bit of a whitewash of it, but yeah. <laughs> like, you know, in a nutshell, that's that's what I do. Yeah. Wow. So I've met parents that don't agree with each other. Oh my goodness. Yes. yes. Oh, tell me what parent co-parenting couple agrees a hundred percent on everything. Mm -hmm. Like I kind of almost don't want to meet them. Cause I, I think they're, you know, lying, lying, exactly. <laughs> lying, right? But you can be on the same page, but at different levels. Right. Uh, and I think that's an expectation that we put on ourselves that adds to that stress of parenting kids that have these complex challenges. Right. So even bringing that awareness in, you have your opinion, I have my opinion, what's best for our kids. And a lot of it is we have to take that judgment out, mm -hmm. right? There's a lot of work there, especially in that co-parenting realm where we have to live in this sort of blameless discernment area, right? And what's best. And when you have two parents that are kind of at opposite ends, it, what's really interesting is and it and it doesn't matter if they're divorced they're together whatever but sometimes they are at opposite ends oh you're overreacting you're too sensitive you're too and that takes away from what's actually happening and it's that family dynamic and the kids pick up on that and i'm i will share with you one of the most heartbreaking moments i had in as being a parent and you think you're hiding this from your kids right and my daughter came up to me one day and she was, uh, I think she was like five or six and she came up and she, she, she's like, are you okay, mom? I was like, yeah, I'm fine. You know, we put on that smile and that brave face and she's like, I'm really sorry. And I said, why? What's going on? She's I'm sorry for being autistic. And it was like, I got punched in the gut, slapped in the face. Like I wanted to throw up. And so I kept that, you know, in, and I just said, you know, like, why, why would you apologize for that? Because I make things more hard for you and daddy. I'm like, oh, sweetie pie, you know, you have nothing to apologize. Being autistic is no different than having a great sense of humor, you know, blonde hair, or red hair, or, you know, your, your teeth, that's, that's your genetic makeup. That's, the diversity of your brain and what you bring. And a lot of parents, we, they look at when, you know, in that argument or that, you know, sort of mis misalignment between the two parents, a lot of it is, <laughs> I'll say this bluntly, they're thinking about themselves, mm -hmm. not hundred percent, but they're thinking about themselves and that ego gets in the way and we have to put ourselves aside and no parent wants to hear that. Right. 
but it's, it's true. It's not about you. And it's not about the shame and there's shame, there's guilt, there's resentment. There's so many emotions in there. And a lot of the, you know, a lot go into therapy or don't, or don't deal with it or talk about it. And in my practice, when I am working with the family and I see parents separately and then bring them together. And some people say, well, you're not a therapist. I said, no, I'm not a therapist. And therapy is so important. And I work alongside of therapists, but what I can do and therapists cannot do is we can look at where it is now, right? And we can make plans and we work and we move forward, right? And that is very helpful because when those parents are on the same team, right? Mm -hmm. And they have different roles. And once they understand where that is, right? Um, And what that is and how it comes with the kids, then that's when those relationships start to heal. The parent, the co-parent relationship heals, the parent-child relationship heals, the family dynamic heals. So there's so much, right? But when we expect our partner, parenting partner to be exactly where we are, that's where things go sideways quickly, right? How much of the work that you do is about destigmatizing the diagnosis? Because truthfully, I, I still feel even though the statistics are, as you say, uh-huh. changing and we're seeing more, we're recognizing more and appropriately assigning diagnoses, diagnoses to different individuals but there's still a huge stigma attached to it. And I would think that that must be the root of a lot of disequilibrium within a family dynamic and a parenting structure, um, needing to destigmatize all of that. Yes. Oh, so a hundred percent. And like, not only for their child, right. And it's, it's because like when you have a diagnosis, right. A lot of parents are, a lot of parents, their fear is I don't want my kids to be different, seen differently, but the hard truth of the matter is they already are right. They already are. The kids know it. The kids know it even before the parents know it. Right. And then what happens from there is the parents get in their own way. They get in their children's way. And it's hard for a parent to hear that. Right. And then, oh, throw in, you know, our own upbringing and, and your cultural bringing in some cultures, it is like taboo. You can't say anything. But what, what at the end of the day, who is suffering? The child, right? It really is the child. And not a lot of parents you know, they'll go and they'll look at, they'll take parenting coaches or they'll go into therapy or they'll go and they look on Instagram and TikTok and there's so much great information there. But what happens is it's just the information. It's where is the implementation? How do you navigate this through, you know, within the family? And we are, our society, we're so used to siloing everything. Like when one family member is suffering. The whole family suffers, right? And it's it's such a big conversation for (laughs) a period of time here, right? And I want to do keep it light, but the importance is as parents, we've been disempowered and it really is coming and looking at us first, looking at what we're bringing, bringing that understanding, saying it's okay. Our kids 
are different. They are not less, right? And you know what? There is, unless there is, unless we're talking about adoption, right? There is a genetic reason why our kids are neurodiverse. And like myself, like I struggled through school and I had problems, you know, like I had a lot of friends, but I never felt so, I always felt so alone, even in a group of friends. And I didn't know why. And it was through the process of having my child diagnosed that I realized what was happening and what was happening to me in my childhood and as an adult. And it was liberating. And we, sometimes we want to fix things as parents, which, you know, for our kids, which disempowers our children. Right. And a lot of times we want our kids to um, we want to hide it and protect them. But our kids are going through life and they're, you know, some of them are great. Then they, you know, they don't need extra intervention. But there's the majority of them are like, you know, they're struggling socially with friends, you know, or they're having trouble in school and they are creating these, you know, toxic thoughts like negative thoughts for them, which then creates limiting beliefs and they're holding themselves back. And if they only knew what their diagnosis was, and if they had, and it's all private, like they could share it if they want to, but the school staff, no one's telling, you know, oh, someone's over there has ADHD and this one has dyslexia. Like that's not happening. So when those supports are able to be in place because there is a diagnosis and a child, you know, my son was like, oh, that makes so much sense. And he felt like there was a tribe there for him. Right. And, but I have a client whose family who their son who's 17 is fighting the diagnosis. So I've been chatting with them and why, and because of the, the stigma of being autistic and things that they see in the media and that's being teased with friends. And so we're just, so we work through that. And I work with his parents, I've, you know, he's in there too, but I work with his parents on how to navigate those conversations and what can they do to support him, to help him have that confidence to own that diagnosis because it's so empowering on so many levels. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I hate to tell you this. Our I- time is up. I feel like we just scratched the surface. We'll definitely have to have you come back and chat with us again, for sure. Uh, for sure. Oh, sure. I would love my pleasure. The, the, the one thing that I would like to say too is it's okay as parents to feel frustrated and to do all that. And parenting is hard at the best of times. And we have to be gentle with ourselves. If we lose our crap, it's okay. But it's what we do with that after, mm. right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. How can people find you? How can people reach out to you and touch base and connect and all of the things? Well, the easiest way, the easiest way is my website. And you definitely know who you're getting in touch with, with all my handles, but it's alexleach.ca, www.alexleach.ca. And that is the best way. Because if people have any questions or want to know more, it's all there on my site right? There's way to contact. There's my Instagram handle, my Facebook handle. And, and um, I'm just about ready to launch my new website. That's going to have resources there so they can look at, you know, 
you know, free resources and they can pull stuff up there. And if they want to have a conversation with me, they can schedule a call. So that is the best place to get my website. Fantastic. I want to thank you so much, Alex, for taking the time to talk to us about a conversation that needs to be had more frequently, but people are often afraid to start. So thank you for starting the conversation with us today. Thanks for listening to the Boobs, Bods and Brains podcast. If you would like to learn more about us or our past episodes, then check us out on Instagram. Click the link in our bio to visit our website to learn more about sponsorship opportunities. We are always excited to have you offer different show topic ideas. If you have a suggestion, reach out via Instagram or our website. And as always, don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to the Boobs, Bods and Brains podcast and invite all of the women you know.